News Nation this hour, I'm James Sears. The Department of Homeland Security is expecting about 700 people to attend tomorrow's right-wing rally at the Capitol. The group is gathering to support all those arrested during January's Capitol attack. Similar rallies may be held in other cities. Illinois Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger says Capitol Police and other authorities are doing the right thing by preparing for the worst. And this is what's interesting, is if nothing happens, you know, you'll have people criticize putting the fence up and criticizing the reaction of law enforcement, but that's what needs to happen because January 6th obviously was an underreaction and it escalated. COVID booster shots could roll out next week if the FDA gives the green light. An advisory committee is expected to vote today on whether to approve Pfizer's third dose. The company says another shot is needed since vaccine protection drops every two months. Legislation is moving through Congress that would make paid family leave available to most workers. Under the plan, employees would get 12 weeks of paid time off for family and sick leave. To qualify, employees would have to earn wages in the previous six months. More than 100 Chicago-area veterans returned from Washington, D.C. last night after seeing the nation's war memorials and enjoying a day of gratitude for their service and sacrifice. Mike Lowe is at Midway Airport. On the flight was Edward Bernius of Highland, Indiana, who flew 35 combat missions over Japan during World War II. It was a wonderful trip. I saw a lot of things I hadn't seen before, and the people took great care of us. And we also found Carol Morosi, who was waiting for her husband Lou, a Korean War veteran with whom she just celebrated 70 years of marriage. He's my hero. She told us that you were her hero. Oh, yeah. I better be. <laughs> Honor Flight Chicago has been providing these trips free of charge since 2008. A trio of Chinese astronauts returned to Earth today after a 90-day stay aboard their nation's first space station. The spacecraft parachuted down in the Gobi Desert. The astronauts went on spacewalk and deployed a mechanical arm. And just in time for Winnie the Pooh's 95th anniversary, a cottage inspired by the lovable bear is now up for rent in England. Disney helped design the Baron B Cottage, stocked with yoga mats, journals, and throw rugs to embrace living more like Pooh. A one-night stay will cost 130 bucks, but visitors will also be given a tour of the 100-acre wood. Find News Nation on your cable or satellite provider and stay up to date around the clock at NewsNationNow.com and on the News Nation Now app. I'm James Sears. The Public News Service Daily Newscast, September the 17th, 2021. I'm Mike Clifford. A U.S. House committee debates the Biden administration's Build Back Better Act, and a letter from more than 200 wealthy Americans calls on the Congress to pass tax hikes proposed to pay for it. The plan includes shoring up social safety net programs, but also boosts clean energy jobs and creates a civilian climate core to be paid for by increasing tax rates for the country's highest earners. Julie Tai of the New York League of Conservation Voters says the infrastructure investment is dire, especially since the state was hit hard by tropical storms Henri and Ida. So we know we have a great need to be making our communities more resilient and having the water infrastructure investments that's included as part of Build Back Better will make a big difference in making New York better prepared for flooding events, which are going to be more frequent and more intense here in the Northeast. 14 New Yorkers are among those who signed the letter. The plan unveiled by House Democrats calls for top corporate and individual tax rates of 26.5 and 39.6 percent, respectively, rolling back Trump-era tax cuts made in 2017. I'm Emily Scott. Build Back Better also includes funding for paid family and medical leave and universal pre-K. And as he was asked in a phone interview whether former President Donald Trump would run in 2024, Roger Stone paused to answer the front door. 
that from the Washington Post. They report Stone, a longtime confidant to the former president, apologized to the St. Louis radio show, but he had a good reason. He was being served with papers related to the lawsuit filed by seven U.S. Capitol Police officers against him. The Post captures the moment this way after Stone could be heard greeting the person at the door. The process server could be heard saying, you know what I have. And the self-described dirty trickster responded, it was from a civil court. The process server told him the suit was filed in federal court. And the pandemic is shining a new light on the burdens felt by family caregivers, and a bill in Congress would remove some of the financial pressure for people providing unpaid care to family members. Eric Nelson of AARP South Dakota says families are the backbone of the long-term care system. In addition to the direct out-of-pocket spending, caregivers are also experiencing indirect financial setbacks. And so it's important to not have them have to dip into personal spending or personal savings to support their family members. AARP estimates the average family caregiver spends almost $7,000 a year on out-of-pocket expenses. An estimated 90,000 South Dakotans are family caregivers. This is PNS. A course at Smith College aims to demonstrate techniques to call in potential allies to the social justice movement rather than push them away, what's known as a call-out or cancel culture. The course is taught by Professor Loretta Ross, who's been a social justice advocate for more than 50 years. According to Ross, when folks are quick to call people out for perceived transgressions, others may choose to avoid those situations rather than work to change their behavior. But if you demonstrate that you're going to treat them with kindness and respect, they're more likely to self-examine whether they made a mistake, apologize for the harm that they've done, and make a plan for doing better. Ross says this distinction is especially important in the fights against white supremacy and efforts to suppress the vote, restrict abortion rights, and attack immigrants. She notes some conservatives see call-out culture as an attack on free speech, but says that isn't the problem with it. Instead, she believes call-out culture goes wrong when it alienates potential allies who could work together for justice. I'm Lily Bolke reporting. This story was produced with original reporting from Sonali Kalakter for Yes. Earlier in the newscast, we told you about the 200 wealthy taxpayers saying Congress should raise their taxes. 14 of them are from Colorado. An open letter delivered to lawmakers agrees with President Joe Biden's proposal to tap corporations and the wealthy to finance a $3.5 trillion Build Back Better infrastructure package. Sandra Fluke with the nonprofit Voices for Progress sees the legislation as an opportunity to reorder the nation's spending priorities. Child care affordability and home and community-based care and paid leave, fighting climate change and protecting all of us from natural disasters are good investments, investments that will help to to rebuild our economy and to strengthen our democracy. I'm Eric Galatis. Finally, our Mike Bowen tells us Wisconsin farmers are looking ahead to the fall harvest, and those who use cover crops face a deadline. Cover crops are designed to prevent harmful runoff and improve soil health on the farm. Researchers with the University of Wisconsin and the Michael Fields Agricultural Institute want to connect with producers this fall to see what works best for them. The university's Dan Smith says it's great that farmers are spreading the word about the practice, but adds reliable data needs to go along with that messaging. Cover crops are not free to plant, so that we have to have a, a return. And 
in order to have a return, we have to be producing above ground and below ground biomass. The more biomass produced through cover crops means a farmer has healthier soil to work with. This is the second year these partners have gathered data from farmland. The sign-up deadline is October 1st. This is Mike Clifford, and thank you for wrapping up your week with Public News Service. Member and listener supported, heard on interesting radio stations. Find our trust indicators at publicnewsservice.org. Welcome to 2021 Talks, where we're following our democracy in historic times. I think what we need to do right now is make sure that everyone in Virginia understands that getting the vaccine is the most important thing we can do. Republican Virginia gubernatorial candidate Glenn Youngkin on COVID-19 vaccine mandates. Youngkin and his opponent, Democrat Terry McAuliffe, squared off Thursday night in a debate hosted by the Appalachian School of Law. Biden's shrinking approval ratings could improve the GOP's chances of winning gubernatorial races in Virginia and New Jersey. A Washington attorney who specializes in cybersecurity issues has been indicted over allegedly lying to the FBI ahead of the 2016 election in a conversation about possible ties between Donald Trump and Russia. Michael Sussman is a former federal prosecutor who works at a law firm with long-standing links to the Democratic Party. He's the second individual to be charged in special counsel John Durham's investigation into the origins of the FBI's Trump-Russia probe. Congressional Democrats on Thursday asked the heads of four major oil companies and two lobbying groups to testify on whether the industry led an effort to mislead the public and prevent action to fight climate change. Earlier this year, oil lobbyist Keith McCoy admitted some of the industry's tactics. Did we aggressively fight against some of the science? Uh, Yes. The lawmakers cited a study in the peer-reviewed journal Climatic Change that said 91 think tanks and advocacy organizations that downplayed global warming were funded by ExxonMobil and industry groups. In Senate testimony, U.S. gymnast Michaela Maroney lambasted the FBI and the Justice Department for how agents mishandled child sexual abuse allegations brought against convicted former USA Gymnastics doctor Larry Nassar. Maroney identified herself as the gymnast described but not named in the report, who spoke to the FBI about her allegations in September of 2015. Not only did the FBI not report my abuse, but when they eventually documented my report 17 months later, they made entirely false claims about what I said. The official U.S. death toll from COVID-19 has passed two-thirds of a million people. FDA scientists have expressed skepticism over a push by the White House to authorize third booster doses of Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine, and in a report said the vaccines currently in use still afford protection against severe disease and death. Meanwhile, the Biden administration will make COVID-19 vaccinations mandatory for all new immigrants to the United States beginning on October 1st. I'm Nadia Ramlagan for Pacifica Network and Public News Service. Find our eight trust indicators to support transparency and accuracy at publicnewsservice.org. Two days. Saturday and Sunday, September 25th and 26th. One place. Mount Long Speedway in Newcastle. The event. The Battle at the Long. It all starts Saturday afternoon at 1 with practice and qualifying. Racing at 4. And then feature racing starring the Sunnyside Motors Crown Vicks, Markham Welding Pro Compacts, and Owens Electric Stock Compacts Saturday night. The action continues Sunday at 1.30 with practice. Then at 3, it's kids activities on the front stretch with big wheel races and a coin scramble. Then Sunday afternoon at 4, racing begins with six 
big features. Witness the Markham Welding Pro Compact, Bowens Electric Stock Compact, Sunnyside Motors Crown Vix, brought to you by Gambler's Garage, the Cleaver Motors Modified in the Wayne Chu Memorial, Thunder Roadster, AJ Stewart's Thunder Cars, and the Fatheads Eyewear Late Models all doing battle. Brought to you in part by Driveway Guys for your paving needs and Bullseye Towing 24-7 Recovery Service. Saturday and Sunday, September 25th and 26th at Mount Lawn Speedway. Get your tickets now. 1490 South County Road 400 in Newcastle. Rain date next weekend. From the Black Information Network. This is the BIM Daily Update. I'm Vanessa Tyler. And I'm Mike Stevens on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Convicted killer cop Derek Chauvin's past is coming back to haunt him with charges in another case. Before killing George Floyd in Minneapolis, Minnesota, the now former cop is accused of using the same tactic, this time kneeling on a black teen's neck and depriving him of oxygen. Back in 2017, the allegations are he grabbed the teen by the throat, hit him in the head with a flashlight and then held his knee against the boy's neck while the child was cuffed. Luckily, the teen did not die. Chauvin, who was in prison for the Floyd killing, pleaded not guilty to the case involving the 14-year-old. The pandemic in America has not slowed down the mass shootings. Research published in the journal JAMA Open Network shows startling figures with numbers doubling when comparing the months of July 2020 to 2019. According to Gun Violence Archives last year, there were 611 mass shootings nationwide compared to 417 a year earlier. This year, there have been 498 mass shootings with 34 reported in September so far. A mass shooting is described as four or more dead or injured, not including the shooter. America, President Biden says it's time to decide what kind of country this is going to be. One of those moments where the decisions we're about to make can change, literally change the trajectory of our nation for years and possibly decades to come. The president says it's time for a new path. Boost the middle class. Get corporations to pay their fair share. Time for Congress to pass his $3 trillion plan. And most of all, he says, it is past time for Republicans to stop playing politics with COVID. It's the worst kind of politics because it's putting the lives of citizens of their states, especially children at risk. And I refuse to give into it. It seems Florida's Republican governor can't tell the difference between black joy and a protest. So says a federal judge that has blocked enforcement of parts of Governor Ron DeSantis' controversial anti-protest law called the Combating Public Disorder Act. Chief U.S. District Judge Mark Walker says the law is like the unlawful racist backlash in the 1960s against Jim Crow. What lawyers for the governor use as evidence of Floridians improperly protesting was actually a celebration of the Juneteenth holiday. The effect of racism can be seen on brain scans. Researchers studied 55 black women who say they've been exposed to traumatic experiences, including unfair racial treatment. Then they were asked to do a task while an MRI observed brain activity. The result, women who reported more experiences of racial discrimination had more response activity in regions of the brain associated with threat alert. Bottom line, say researchers, being on constant alert for racial threats affects the health and taxes the brain. African-Americans are more at risk for strokes and Alzheimer's disease. I'm Vanessa Tyler with Mike Stevens on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. 
This episode is brought to you by Butterball. Tired of the same old, same old? Turn to the trusted turkey experts at Butterball to take your meals to the next level. From ground turkey to turkey burgers, Butterball makes every day taste amazing. Butterball, all kinds of good. Delta has committed to becoming the first carbon neutral airline on a global basis because we believe you shouldn't have to choose between seeing the world and saving it. Delta, keep climbing. This episode is brought to you by Clavio, an e-commerce marketing platform that lets you delight customers and drive revenue at the same time with personalized email and SMS marketing campaigns that you can design and send in minutes. Learn more at Clavio.com slash Spotify. I'm Mike Stevens. And I'm Vanessa Tyler on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. Some say it's kind of like cancer is spreading across America. Politicians deciding what can and can't be said in classrooms about race or racism. This is a black teacher among those expressing concern in York, Pennsylvania. There are teachers looking over their shoulders, wondering if someone's going to be at their door, darkening their door, that you said something or you mentioned something or you used something that you were not supposed to. But what's happening in York seems to even go beyond the ban on critical race theory that's been implemented in many largely Republican states. In York, teachers are being told by the all-white school board they can't use many books that even mention race. For example, the story of Rosa Parks or the first black female scientist in the NASA space program profiled in the movie Hidden Figures or even a CNN town hall using Sesame Street characters like Elmo or Off Limits. Racism? CNN also talked to this white theater teacher who used to use the works of black authors in class. I have to now, with this resource ban, think twice about whether or not I should or could use a James Baldwin quote as an opening for my class. And many black and white students don't agree with teaching just the nice parts of history. I want to learn genuine history. I don't want to learn a whitewashed version. I want to hear all of it. The Central York School Board says what they're doing is not really a ban. Instead, they claim to be reviewing the materials in question. But that review has been going on for a year now. In Florida, fines for using what are called vaccine passports are now in effect. Businesses and local governments that require customers or residents to show proof of a COVID-19 vaccination can now be fined. $5,000. After Boston, Massachusetts, former mayor vetoed a bill to form a city commission to study and address concerns being faced by Boston's black men and boys, the city council has unanimously passed the bill again. It will deal with everything from education to violence. It will be up to the next elected mayor to decide to move it forward. Less than 1% of children in the United States become professional athletes. Many are African-American, but some wonder, instead of pushing black boys to become sports stars, push them to become doctors. Maybe they don't pursue medicine because they have not been encouraged to. Statistics three years ago show just 5% of doctors were African-American. Efforts to increase diversity at medical schools have made progress with black women, but not black men. Many believe more black male and female doctors would lead to better outcomes for black patients. With African-Americans denied access to higher education for decades, it always stands out when a school recognizes those in the past who broke academic color barriers. 
at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Something called the Integration Pioneers Historical Marker has been unveiled. It honors the first African-American students that applied to and attended UF. Relatives of the Black Pioneers were there for the ceremony. I'm Mike Stevens with Vanessa Tyler on your home for 24-7 News, the Black Information Network. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Football is back. And the best bet you can make is downloading the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It doesn't matter if you're new to gambling or an old pro. FanDuel has something for everyone. And as an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you know your bets are safe. There's also never been a better time to use FanDuel. Because right now, you'll get up to $1,000 back if your first bet doesn't win. You can even turn a small wager into a big payday with a same-game parlay bet. Just sign up with the promo code SPOTIFY to place your first bet risk-free on FanDuel Sportsbook. Download FanDuel today. 21 plus and present in Michigan. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. At T-Mobile, we believe in putting people first by treating them right. So we've upped the benefits without upping the price. With Magenta Max, you get our best plan for 5G with unlimited premium data that can't slow down based on how much smartphone data you use. Plus, you'll pay zero cost to switch. And bring your phone. We'll pay it off up to 800 bucks Only at T-Mobile. Capable device required for 5G. Activate up to 4K or video streams at 480p. 40 gigs high-speed tethering. Up to $800 via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Support charges waived. See details at T-Mobile.com. Life gets hard sometimes. If you're a veteran, you've been trained to carry the heavy stuff. But you don't have to do it alone. It doesn't matter when or where you served. If you're struggling, resources are available to help. It only takes a moment to reach out. September is Suicide Prevention Month. Learn more at reach.gov SPM. Your money on the Black Information Network. Weekless jobless claims are up. The Labor Department reports 332,000 Americans filed first-time claims for unemployment benefits last week. That's 20,000 more than the previous week's revised total. Experts were forecasting the number would come in at right around 300,000. Legendary Oklahoma University linebacker Brian Bosworth doesn't like the NCAA's new program to pay college athletes for their name, image, and likeness in marketing. The Boz was a consensus first-team All-American with the Sooners in 1985 and 86, and the flamboyant linebacker likely could have made millions if NIL had been in place when he played. In an interview with USA Today, he explained why he doesn't like it. Bosworth said the potential to make money will take away college athletes' control. He said the path of success will be altered because someone else is making the decision for you. General Motors is warning some Chevrolet Bolt owners to keep their cars parked away from other vehicles to reduce risk of fire. The car company has already recalled more than 140,000 of their Bolt EVs made in the last five years because of batteries spontaneously going up in flames. GM has said it's working with its partners to correct the battery issues. Money news at 24 and 54 minutes past each hour. I'm Julius White on the Black Information Network. Honorary Forest Ranger Betty White here, lending a hand to my dear friend Smokey Bear. Because for years, he's only said, Only you can prevent wildfires. But there's a lot more to say. Like if you park your car on tall, dry grass, the hot exhaust pipe can start a wildfire. 
So keep the animals safe, especially the cute shirtless one. Go to SmokeyBear.com to learn more about wildfire prevention. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service, your state forester, and the Ad Council. It's been a year since my sister Callie died. Now I can't sleep because every time I close my eyes, Callie's there to wake me up. The insomnia's gotten so bad, I'm not sure what's real anymore. There's a shadow living inside my head. It's angry, and I don't think I can stop it. My name is Harper Hart, and I'll see you in your nightmares. Journey into your own subconscious and listen to See You in Your Nightmares, September 22nd on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If a natural disaster comes knocking, how prepared is your family? You can't just close the door on earthquakes, floods, or hurricanes and hope they go away. That's why it's important to make a plan now. Ready.gov slash plan has the tools and tips you need to prepare your family for an emergency. So if disaster shows up at your doorstep, you'll be ready. Visit ready.gov slash plan and make a plan today. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Download the BIN Daily Update every morning on the iHeartRadio app. Today's episode is brought to you by Amazon. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Friday, September 17th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's how we're making you smarter today. Research into kids and long COVID. Plus, crab cakes are the latest supply chain headache. But first, today's one big thing, what California's recall election and the Texas abortion law have in common. Earlier this week, California's governor, Gavin Newsom, a Democrat, survived a Republican-led effort to recall him from office. What does that say, if anything, about Republican political chances in other key congressional races next year? Axios White House and Politics Managing Editor Margaret Taleb joins us as she does on Fridays to answer that question. Hey, Margaret. Hi, Nyla. It's great to be with you. Earlier in the week, the big story was this recall race. What's your analysis of what this says? Well, one thing it says is just that California is a firmly, solidly liberal-leaning Democratic state, and that if Democrats have a reason to turn out, they will. This also showed us that it is harder than Republicans hoped it would be to run on a Trump message when Trump himself is not on the ballot. And I think a third thing that it showed us is that if you overreach in your efforts, there could be a backlash. And Republicans now may have had the unintended consequence of saving Gavin Newsom's political career. Now, as you mentioned, California is a solidly blue state. Does that overreach extend to other parts of the country or is this just a California specific thing? I think that's a really important question. I mean, there is an essential message here about understanding your audience and about understanding how voters really feel about the pandemic. The pandemic is what has been driving a wave of recall efforts around the country, not just in California, but governors in other states. But how many of these are actually going to be successful comes down to two questions. How do voters really feel about how that elected official has handled the pandemic and who is turning out to vote? Turnout is essential. And that's one thing this election showed us. What about other issues that traditionally have brought voters out like abortion? Is that still true? 
I think in midterm elections or any election, we think about the economy as being like an essential question, right? But abortion can be a galvanizing issue. And one thing that I see in common between the California recall and the Texas law that's getting so much attention now, again, is this fundamental political question of overreach. This is a law that gives incentives to people to sue, like the Uber driver or, you know, um, the the pastor who counsels a woman and helps her to get an abortion after those six weeks. Axios does these focus groups with voters in swing states who had voted for President Trump in 2016 and President Biden in 2020. This was a panel of 10 swing voters. Many of them didn't really even know the details of the law. But when those details were described, there was universal opposition to the law. And it's not because they all supported abortion, but they were very concerned about what they saw as overreach, as an invasion of privacy, and as concerns that this was sort of a frivolous law that was going to jam up the courts. Axios' White House and politics managing editor, Margaret Taleb. Have a great weekend, Margaret. Thanks, Nyla. We'll be back in 15 seconds with what we know about long COVID and children. The federal minimum wage has been stuck at $7.25 an hour. That's why Amazon raised their starting wage to $15 an hour in 2018, because they believe it's good for workers, good for business, and good for communities. Learn more at aboutamazon.com slash 15. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Researchers and doctors have been scrambling since last year to understand why some people who contract COVID-19 experience long-term symptoms. And increasingly, research into long COVID is looking at how it's affecting kids. Studies that have been done suggest 10 to 20 percent of kids have some sort of persistent symptom after COVID. And that has been repeated a couple different times with decent reliability. That's Dr. Alexandra Yons. She's with the post-COVID program at Children's National Hospital in D.C. She spoke with Axios' own Tina Reed for a reality check on what we do and don't know yet about kids and long COVID. Hi, Tina. Hi, Nyla. Tina, can you first remind us what actually constitutes a long COVID diagnosis when it comes to kids? So speaking with Dr. Yons, she said that the kids that are coming into her clinic are under 21 They've had persistent symptoms for at least 30 days, and they had a positive COVID test. What's interesting about kids in COVID compared to adults in long COVID is that they haven't always had symptoms. Dr. Yant said some of them are asymptomatic, but they've simply had a, a positive COVID test, and then they found that they had persistent symptoms after. And what are those persistent symptoms? So Dr. Yance gave me a huge range of what she's been seeing in her clinic. Here's a little bit about what she said she's been seeing recently. We've had children that literally just had loss of taste and smell and it was impacting their ability to eat. And, you know, they were eating junk food because that's all that, you know, they could tolerate. Ranging up to one of our older adolescent patients wasn't able to stay awake for more than 30 minutes at a time. We heard Dr. Yan cite some data that this might affect 10 to 20 percent of children. How certain are we about those studies? We're not. There's still a lot of studies, and the studies so far have been quite small. They're not always certain in kids as well as adults whether or not this is uh, truly long COVID symptoms 
symptoms associated with the ongoing pandemic or a little bit of both. And what did you learn in reporting this out about treatment for long COVID? So in the case of the kids that had a loss of taste and smell, they actually were being sent home with different things to smell multiple times per day. And then other people were being treated with different respiratory treatments that are already on the market. But they're really still trying to figure out what the protocol should be. They don't necessarily have all the answers yet. What do you think parents should take away from all of this, Tina? This is really just another reminder of why parents should really be trying to get their kids vaccinated as soon as possible. We're not really sure um, the impact the vaccines have on kids in long COVID or on adults in long COVID. In the absence of vaccines for those kids who are 12 and younger, they should be making careful choices when it comes to socially distancing, um, wearing masks, and um, just trying to be overall careful. Tina Reed is a healthcare editor for Axios. Thank you, Tina. Thank you, Nyla. Crab cakes are one of my very favorite foods, which is why I know that the price at my local grocery store has gone up. It's almost $2 more a crab cake. And in Charlotte, North Carolina, you can expect to wait in line for hours for an equally expensive crab cake. Axios' Charlotte editor, Michael Graff, has the story. Hey, Michael. Hey, how are you? Hey, Michael. We've been talking in the past about supply chain disruptions on the podcast. Why is this happening with crab meat? It starts basically in the water, like everything with crabs. Uh, In this winter, they did have, in the Chesapeake especially, they had population drop of juvenile crabs. We had some issues with supply chain. Some, Some places didn't have enough pickers this year to pick crabs. Crab meat last year at this time was probably $20 to $30. In some places now, you're getting it for $50 to $60. And it sort of has just led to this incredible crush at at restaurants for folks. Michael, you have some family connections to this business. You know a lot about crabs. Yeah, my dad was a fisherman on the on the Chesapeake. And so it, my first memories are catching crabs with chicken necks on the, <laughs> on the water. And we sort of lived by the mantra that if this year is bad, or this year could be bad, next year always has the possibility of being better. There's one guy out on the coast of North Carolina who's been doing it for 50 years And he said, if they were all good years, everybody would be doing this. Axios to Charlotte editor, Michael Graff. Thanks for joining us, Michael. Thank you. That's it for this week. Axios Today is brought to you by Axios and Pushkin Industries. We're produced by Alexandra Boti, Nuria Marquez-Martinez, Sabina Singani, and Lydia McMullen-Laird. Our sound engineers are Alex Sugiyara and Michael Hamph. Dan Bobkoff is our executive producer. Sarah Kaylani Gu is our executive editor. And special thanks to Axios co-founder, Mike Allen. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe and have the best weekend. The federal minimum wage is still just $7.25 an hour. Not nearly enough for many American families. At Amazon, all employees earn at least $15 an hour, more than double the federal minimum wage. Because it's good for workers, Good for business, good for communities, and good for the economy. Learn more about how Amazon takes care of its employees at aboutamazon.com slash 15.
Hi, I'm Pastor Joel of Heart City Church. We are concluding our consideration of the folly of presumptuous living, of living with no thought of God as we make our plans for the future. The Apostle writes for us in James 4, verses 13 to 15, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. James has been teaching us the ways in which we can fail to walk humbly before our God. Humility first requires acknowledgement of God's sovereignty over our lives and our world. Now there's nothing wrong with these merchants making plans, except for the fact they're living with no thought of God who rules over all. As God's creatures living in God's world, our plans are subject to change. And actually our creatureliness is another reason to be humble. Our lives are not only unpredictable, but they're fragile. So we don't attach ourselves to the temporary, but we live for the eternal because God has given us eternal souls. And then James lastly pushed us to consider the folly of excluding God's will from our decisions. And now James really hammers home what is at the heart of all this, pride or arrogance. James concludes in verses 16 and 17, as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now in chapter 1, James taught us about a godly sort of boasting. Now he's showing us the exact opposite, ungodly boasting. It is the boast of the self-made man or woman who believes they don't need God. Sadly, most people who have this condition of self-sufficiency don't even know they have it. They may not think it, but they're living as practical atheists, as those who don't give God credit for their existence or the world in which they live. Perhaps one of the most identifiable boasts is that of William Ernest Henley in his famous poem, where he says, Out of the night that covers me, black as pit from pole to pole, I thank whatever gods may be, for my unconquerable soul. In the fell clutch of circumstance, I have not winced or cried aloud. Under the bludgeoning of chance, my head is bloody, but unbowed. Beyond this place of wrath and tears looms but the horror of the shade. And yet the menace of the years finds and shall find me unafraid. It matters not how straight the gate, how charged the punishments the scroll. I am the master of my fate. I and the captain of my soul. Being the master of my fate and the captain of my soul is the boast of so many. Ironically and sadly, this is the exact opposite of being free. Freedom comes when our Lord Jesus sets us free to live as we were created to live, to glorify God and to enjoy him forever, as those who are privileged uniquely to reflect the glory of God refuse to live as God created you to live in his world is not living free any more than it is for a fish to jump out of the lake. Such persons have been injected with the lie of the first arrogant boaster, the devil, who James had warned us earlier to resist. 
And we are so prone to fall into this trap of self-enslavement. Self-sufficiency does this. And it leads us that we will know the right thing to do in humility, but we will fail to do it. James is speaking here of the sin of omission as opposed to the sin of commission. There are sins we commit, that we commit, because we act in ways that are contrary to God's revealed will. There are also sins we omit, sins of omission. We know what we should do, but we don't. It is neglecting the things God calls us to do, or rejecting the fact that He needs to be consulted and looked to when we make our plans. And it is rooted in the self-sufficiency, the pride that infects us all. Well, what does that look like, Joel? Well, when we obey some of God's commands, and then we think that that allows us to ignore others. Or when we pay lip service to God in order to keep Him off our backs for the rest of the week when we want to do the things we want to do. And why does this happen, my friends? Because we have taken our eyes off of Jesus Christ and we have sought to become our own Savior. And James says, don't try to be what you can never be. Seek your sufficiency in the all-sufficient God who wants you to be enjoying Him for all of eternity. And the way we can be exalted is by humbling ourselves. My friend, a look at what Christ did for us on the cross is the cure for our pride, as it was there that Jesus saved us from all our failed attempts at self-exaltation. Believer in Jesus Christ, rejoice that the master of your fate and the captain of your soul is not you. Captain Jesus will bring you through the deep waters and into glory. Remember who you are and who you belong to. Next Reality Studios, located at 1100 North Chicago Avenue in Goshen is your hot community spot for virtual reality. 20,000 square feet of VR fun. Social and community groups can use the Innovation Center for various trainings and events. Very easy to find at the Old Bag Factory. Look them up on Facebook and call ahead to book a time slot. Walk-ins are welcome too. Profile America, Friday, September 17th. When Henry Bliss stepped off a streetcar at Central Park West and 74th Street in New York in the middle of September 1899, automobiles were a novelty. Thus, he didn't look carefully and was run over by an almost silent electric taxi. The accident was the first fatality in the nation involving an automobile. At the time, there were fewer than 8,000 motor vehicles in the whole country. As the number of registered automobiles climbed rapidly, so did the number of deaths. In 1999, one century later, nearly 42,000 drivers, passengers, and pedestrians were killed on the nation's roads. The statistic has trended down to 36,560 fatalities in 2018, even though the number of cars and national vehicle miles continue to increase. You can find more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov. Profile America, Saturday, September 18th. Three important events in American newspaper history occurred in September. These anniversaries span three centuries. 39 years ago, on September 15, 1982, USA Today began publishing. On this date in 1851, the New York Times issued its first edition. And in September 1690, the first newspaper in America was published in Boston, called Public Occurrences Both Foreign and Domestic, 
It lasted for one day before being shut down by British authorities unhappy with its content. Although the industry is struggling, there are nearly 6,700 publishers of daily, weekly, or other periodical newspapers across the country, employing 153,000 people. You can find more facts about America from the U.S. Census Bureau online at census.gov. Profile America, Sunday, September 19th. National Rehabilitation Awareness Week begins tomorrow and runs to the 26th. One of the goals of the annual event is to salute the determination of the nation's residents who confront one or more disabilities as they go about their daily lives. Another is to say thanks to the thousands of rehabilitation professionals, such as the nation's 258,000 or so physical therapists, who help those in need adapt to and overcome their disabilities. Some 40.6 million people, or 12.6% of the population, are living with a disability. 17.5 million of them are age 65 and older. Altogether, 14.6 million Americans have difficulty with independent living or cannot manage it at all. You can find more facts about America's people, places, and economy from the American Community Survey at census.gov.